Ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Okay, so I don't actually know. But I do know that 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot. And for good reason. HubSpot's all-on-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you could save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com startups. What's going on, everyone? It's Wednesday, July 20th. I'm Zachary Crockett. I'm here with Rob Litterst. What's up, Zach? And you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking about nostalgic millennials, right, Rob? <laughs> yes, that is absolutely true. I guess uh, if you are in your 30s, you know a thing or two about mall life. You know, those long teenage weekends, just like roaming around the food court, maybe get a little pretzel action and stop by Hot Topic. One huge mall staple from the 90s is coming back from the dead. We're going to be talking about Claire's, that place where everyone had their ears pierced in the 90s. It's making a big comeback, and it's finding a new audience with Gen Z. Before we get into that, though, let's just go a quick rundown of other stuff that's going on in tech and business. First up, an update on this whole Twitter Elon Musk saga. Earlier this month, Musk said that he wanted out of that $44 billion Twitter deal. Now the whole shebang's headed to trial. Yesterday, a Delaware judge sided with Twitter in the company's bid to fast track that court case. And it looks like the action's going to start in October and the trial should last around five days. Google is going to start testing augmented reality glass prototypes in public settings again. In a blog post yesterday, the company acknowledged the privacy concerns that eventually squashed Google Glass nearly a decade ago. This time around, they're taking some extra precautions to get around that creepy factor. Some new data shows that the gender pay gap also applies to gig work. A survey of 6,000 U.S.-based freelancers by Zen Business found that, on average, male freelancers charge about 48% more per hour than their female counterparts. And lastly, Netflix's Q2 earnings report just dropped yesterday, and it was a little less ugly than anticipated. The company had projected a loss of 2 million subscribers, but it ended up only losing a measly 970,000 subscribers. That number was buoyed a bit by season four of Netflix's hit show, Stranger Things, and shares are up 6% in after-hours trading on that news. We should note here, uh, 970,000 subscribers is still quite a big loss, and it's only Netflix's second quarter reporting a loss in subscribers, but that didn't seem to hurt them much. All right, Rob, let's talk Claire's. Let's do it. So I know this store had a, a special place in your heart, right? I guess so. Honestly, I... I'm nostalgic for anything from the 90s or I guess early 2000s. Like that period of time, I think is really near and dear to my heart. Oh, yeah. Just a very interesting time. I had like bleach blonde highlights, was wearing yeah, the puka shells, was wearing puka shells, was wearing <laughs> a lot of Abercrombie and Fitch. It's, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. even think it's debatable. Some very questionable decisions back then. We were all there, man. We were all yeah, there. It was a time you had to be there. Yeah. I guess. So were you a mall kid? I was definitely a mall kid. Yeah. I mean, when you grow up in New Hampshire, there's really not that much to do. The, the mall <laughs> becomes kind of the main place that you go and hang out with your friends and bounce yeah. around all your favorite stores. And while I never shopped at Claire's, it, it didn't really have anything that appealed to me. It was definitely something that I saw like every single time I went to the mall on my way from, say, the food court or Best Buy over to 
Lids or Abercrombie yeah. and Fitch or Finish Line or whatever it was. So I definitely remember Claire's and, and have vivid memories. It was kind of just like one of those stores that was like there. It was just right. like a presence. And even if you didn't go in, like it, its mere existence kind of just made you happy. It was like, ah, there's Claire's, you know? And there was always that factor where like they, they would pierce your ears for free. They sell a ton of right, earrings. Right. So like that's like their loss leader, right? They do free ear piercings. And so I would always try to glance in and see if I could see somebody getting their ear pierced, but I don't know if they have like a back room or something like that where they would actually do that. But that that's yeah. the kind of ritual that I remember going by and, and checking out Claire's. So set us up a bit here. Like what happened to this place? Yeah. So retailers have gotten hit pretty hard over the last decade, right? So there have been a lot of people kind of calling out that the malls are dying, right? Like malls are not doing as well as they used right. to. We've heard a million different iterations of what the mall of the future is going to be. But if you think of a lot of those department stores, a lot of the stores that were typically located in malls, a lot of them have declared bankruptcy in the last five to 10 years. And, and Claire's is one of them. They, they declared bankruptcy in 2018 hmm. and closed about 200 stores. But since then, they've really pivoted and made some really key changes that have gotten them back on track. Okay. So you just mentioned malls kind of crashing and burning a bit. A, there was a 2020 report from CoreSight Research. It estimated that 25% of America's 1,000 malls would close over the next three to five years. Wow. Obviously, you know, the, the mall is having a bit of a rough time right now in America. But I, I guess the question is, if the mall's dying, what's going on with Claire's? How are they thriving? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, their location strategy plays a huge role in this. So they had a new CEO take over, I believe in 2019, named Ryan Vero. At that point in 2019, 80% of Claire's stores were in malls. Since then, they've doubled their non-mall locations, they've exited underperforming malls, and they've made a really kind of intentional decision mm. that we only want to stay in malls that are still kind of like the main shopping area for people that live ah, like okay. in this neighborhood. So they're getting off those sinking ships. Exactly. And if it's not a mall, like they'll go to some of those like outdoor centers and put themselves there and some of these other kind of shopping experiences that have opened up during the pandemic that are a little bit different than the mall. Hmm. They've kind of repositioned themselves and become a lot more open, I think, to expanding to those sorts of locations rather than being so constrained to malls. Hmm. There's a couple other reasons too. A hundred percent. A big thing that they've done, they've been pushing on this since 2013. Have you heard of these kind of like partner store within a store type strategies? Essentially, like they have 13,000 partner locations in a bunch of other different kind of like retail outlets, including CVS, Albertsons, which is a grocery store. They also have an agreement with Walmart mm, to start opening these kind of not necessarily like pop-up shops, but like store within a store locations within Walmart. And the rationale there is just people are already shopping there. So if Claire's can kind of get in there, then they'll be able to get some traffic and get their merchandise in front of their core demographic, which is really that kind of tween age range that just loves their kind of like bright colors and all of the cool stuff that they have there. And that's another big reason for their resurgence. They've really kind of stayed close to the ground as far as trends go. And they have right. evolved their inventory to match the times, I think. When anybody thinks about Claire's, they probably think about jewelry, earrings, makeup to some extent, some kind of cool little like kitschy things that you can wear, or kind of tack on your backpack. They've started offering a wide selection of iPhone covers and pride accessories to go along with all that stuff to kind of get with the times. Hmm. And then of course, you've got kind of this more macro trend going on in the background that's really given them a secondary boost, which is just that uh, the 90s are big right now. 
Exactly, exactly. There's a huge amount of interest now in 90s fashion and Y2K nostalgia, especially with Gen Z. So that's mm. been a huge reason that Gen Z has kind of gravitated towards the brand. I mean, I think about it right now. So like, obviously I'm an 80s baby, but a 90s kid, right? So I really kind of like right. came of age in the 90s. And I've been on like three of the last probably five documentaries that I've watched have really been about like defining 90s brands. I, I watched this mm documentary about Nickelodeon. I think it was called like the Orange Years. Hmm. I watched one about MTV and watched one recently about Abercrombie and Fitch. All three just really kind of cataloging that time period and just all hmm. of the different influences there. And I think Claire's was right in the mix there as well. Like what do you see coming up the pipeline for Claire's here? What's next? Yeah. So I mean, I think the diversity of their strategies means that this could be really sustainable. Like it really just seems like they have a leadership team that kind of gets why people like Claire's. And one thing that I think is super, super interesting about Claire's is they're really kind of doubling down on brick and mortar. Their CEO, this guy, Ryan Vero, is really hyper aware that their store has this kind of like treasure hunt experience. And hmm. I guess in the grown up world, you could kind of compare it to like Marshall's or TJ Maxx. Like I think a lot of people talk about going to Marshall's, TJ Maxx, Home Goods, those sorts of stores to kind of like dig through the crates and see what they can find. Hmm. And Claire's kind of gives that same dynamic to a much younger age range. And he's hyper aware of that and is really kind of doubling down on it. He's like, our digital experience is really just a showcase for the brand. Like they're really not trying to go crazy into e commerce. They're really using social just to drum up interest. And it's a branding play. They're trying to get people hmm. into the stores. They have some exciting news coming up. Like Claire's filed for an IPO last October. It's been a pretty crazy market environment since then. So I don't really think it's progressed to the point where they're going to do it anytime in the next few months or anything like that. But they're looking to raise up to $100 million in that transaction, which is going to be crazy. So I think Claire's has a bright future, man. I, I think yeah, if yeah. you had asked me this question like four years ago, <laughs> I would have been like, oh yeah, Claire's is on the way out. But when you right. look at all this, it's like they really understand their vibe and, and their kind of aesthetic and like what they can do for their customers. And I think that's a winning formula. Yeah. It's smart that they're kind of anticipating a, a digital backlash. You know, you have a lot of Gen Z kids reared on technology their whole lives. You know, they get up into their teens and they're like, man, there's a whole world out there. We can go look through record crates at record stores and find totally. things and go to vintage shops and there are worlds that exist outside of TikTok and iPhones. And, um, you know, it's hard to find kind of those gems unless you go out to some of these wackier shops and just trawl through stuff with your hands, you know? I don't know, man. There's something about that that kind of collection of stores at the mall and being in person and running into people that you go to school with and all that good stuff. It's it's It just <laughs> goes right back to childhood, man. It's funny memories. Yeah, and you had mentioned the nostalgia economy, just the resurgence of 90s. Fashion is obviously very cyclical. It always comes back. I read an interesting kind of related case study about Fila, the shoe company Fila. Oh, yeah, of course. So they debuted this shoe in 1996. I think it was called the Disruptor nice. or something. And they just relaunched that shoe a few years ago. They called it the Disruptor 2. It came in like all this different colored suede patterns and stuff, and it was really on trend. And the shoe was actually named Footwear News' 2018 Shoe of the Year. What? This was a shoe that had originally debuted back in the 90s. And 
when they brought it back, sales increased by like 205% between 2016 and 2018. So it was just like an enormously successful relaunch for them. That is amazing. Have you seen the shoe? I haven't seen <laughs> it. It is maybe the, the quintessential dad I haven't shoe. Seen it. I, I kind of want to look at it It's pretty incredible. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So this is like that chunky white percent shoe that you're picturing in your mind. It's like, it's got kind of like a fat, chunky sole on it. Oh yeah. It looks like something Kanye would put It's out. a dad tennis shoe. Exactly. Definitely. Love that look. That's crazy. But you're spot on, oh. man. Like I think nostalgia is really popping right now. Like you said, fashion is cyclical, right? And I think a lot of the time, like we see that stuff. I know this article about Claire has drummed up a ton of nostalgia in me. And I think I saw some hype about it online as well. I think a lot of kind of like millennials thinking back on their teenage years were reading this and just having flashbacks, right? Like it's one of those things that you can remember so vividly. And I mean, you mentioned Stranger Things at the top of the show in relation to Netflix's results. And I think Stranger Things really taps into that nostalgia wave as well. When you think about season one and how it kind of tapped into that like 80s kids in the basement playing D&D, like, I don't know. I think there's something about that that just got people Mm -hmm. so excited about that show. I haven't substantiated this, but I saw someone post some data on the resurgence of Walkmans. Oh my God. Like tape players. And there's like a huge demand for Walkmans and tape players right now. And the person who posted this data attributed it to Stranger Things. They were just like, I can't think of another reason why Walkmans would be hot right now outside of this show. Well, we were talking about it. If it was from this current season, I could totally see that because one of the main characters Mm -hmm. in Stranger Things is carrying this Walkman like the entire season. <laughs> there and you go. one of the songs that she listens to is this uh, Kate Bush running up that hill. I think that's what the song is called. And this song, which is mm-hmm. like an obscure 80s pop song, hit the number one track on Spotify in the US for like a month or something like that. Like beating out Drake, beating out T-Swift, wow. beating out like all the usual suspects at the top of the yeah. Spotify charts. Just crazy, man. It's really wild, the power of nostalgia, what that can do. Wow. Crazy stuff. And obviously, you know, we haven't even mentioned the major players like Champion. Oh, yeah. Champion had made a huge comeback. It's like the hot thing. A hundred percent. I remember when you could get a Champion sweatshirt for like 10 bucks at, you know, Marshall's oh, or something. Oh, yeah. Just a, a nice old yeah. school Champion crew neck all day. <laughs> yeah. Love Champion. I have a Champion sweatshirt, so I've definitely dipped my toe in, in that nostalgia pool right there. Yeah. We were talking about Radio Shack the other week. It's so funny, like what's going on with Radio Shack, because I actually have like such positive memories of Radio Shack. And it seems like the guy who owns it now is kind of a doofus. And (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of interesting, like what he's trying to do there. Yeah. Another nostalgia bomb for sure. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. If you liked what you heard today, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. And if you're not subscribed, it's pretty easy to do it. Just go over to hustle.com or thehustle.co and uh, get yourself subscribed. It's good stuff. Catch you all tomorrow.